0: So, regardless of how big you are as a business, it's important to be there for your customers. Like, people want to be able to talk to someone or something before they buy. And so, why not be there for them 24 7 before they move on to a competitor if you don't reply to them for three days? Um, And also, why put that stress on yourself, right? Of having to always be online replying to people when you can be operating and creating better, high quality products. um, instead of all the stuff that needs to happen, but that you don't need to be involved with anymore.
1: fascinated by chat automation i think it goes by a couple of different things dm chat messaging automation but we're using robots to replace the things that people do and i think i'm fascinated by what you do and how you teach other marketers to use chat automation so why don't we just start at the beginning first for people who don't know who you are can you introduce yourself tell us a little bit of a story about you and then we'll go go from there
0: Absolutely. Firstly, thank you for having me. So excited for our conversation. Um, So the short story is that uh, back in 2016, I found out about chat automation because messenger bots had just become a thing. And like you said, there's a lot of different phrases that get thrown around to refer to this. At this point in time, I think what resonates the most with people that doesn't have negative stigma around it is messaging automation and just making it clear that it's all, um, you know, user consent based and that it's not like the spamming DMs that we are all all too familiar with. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I started back in 2016 and the first way that I got involved with it was I started a chatbot agency with my now husband, Kyle. And so um, I left school, which we we're just talking a little bit about. You know, I left school to start this. It was very much so kind of a, a, a leap of faith to see hey would this pan out and work out and so um i left school we started serving clients while we were actually traveling around kind of living the digital nomad life in a sense uh and and from there we we ended up taking our agency to a hundred thousand dollars in revenue in the first year and so that was a good milestone to be like okay we're getting people results people are paying us for these skills this is cool. This is resonating. It seems like this space is going to continue to blow up. So let's, let's scale this as big as we can. Um, and also get really grounded in like what exactly we want to deliver to our clients. Because at the time it was, is kind of like the beginning of apps or the beginning of websites. And even now, you know, the beginning of NFTs where, there's all this kind of crap getting thrown around. You've got the fart apps and the bubble apps, you know, and all that stuff, if you remember <laughs> back in the in the app days. And we like to compare it to that because back then, no one knew what the heck to do with it. They were just like, this is cool tech, but like, how do you actually make money with this? And so, of course, that's evolved to then now. And along the way, we started our, our education company as well, School of Bots, um, to where at this point, using messenger automation on Facebook Messenger, Instagram DM automation, SMS, and and WhatsApp as well, because you can essentially do everything that we'll talk about today on these four platforms as well as others, but this is our focus. Uh, we've generated over $30 million in revenue, which is a good milestone to say, okay, this has done something good for businesses. And uh, there's a lot of other great case studies from both small businesses and enterprise uh, that Facebook has collected and, and other platforms, um, such as what we like to use, ManyChat. And I know that you're a fan of them as well and mm-hmm. use them, so we'll probably get a little bit more into that stuff you know, in another chat. Um, but yeah, so at this point, what I would define us as is that our goal, whether we're going in as an agency to one of the key clients that we work with, or when we go into train marketers, because we have a whole education institute, essentially, where agencies and marketing teams can come in and learn our strategies our goal is to double their conversion rates or their revenue that they are getting from the platform that we're engaging with. So if that's going to be Instagram, then typically it's not unrealistic for us when it's our team to go in and actually double what they're getting. And when others go in and take our education on as well, they're able to get great results. Maybe it's not going to be doubling their sales, especially when you're a larger company and maybe Instagram's a smaller channel or what have you, but um, nonetheless, they're able to, to really boost things and save a ton of time. So um, that's that's kind of the fulfillment pieces that come with it. And also briefly how I got into it.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. There is a stigma against um, chat automation because of the way it's been implemented in the past. Like I've used it, I've seen other people use it and it's yes. terrible. It's an auto responder. And if that's what you're thinking, this is way more sophisticated than that. And I, I love the the word that you use. It's like user consent. And it's just doing, I think in, in the way that we've seen it used, doing what a normal person would be doing, but just accelerating that process so that you can scale. So, Keep that in mind, everybody, in case you're like, oh, I don't like this conversation where it's going. There's a lot more. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. Yeah, please stick around. Stick around just for a little bit and we'll make it worth your while. I, I have a question for you in terms of your company what percentage is it in services and and what percentage is it in training? I'm just trying to get a makeup or an idea of like how it works.
0: Yeah, so over the last, like pretty much, so, so to give you a timeline, we mm-hmm. started for about a year as an agency. And by that point, there were very few courses and like educators out there saying, here's how to make money with this channel in an ethical way and, you know, serve clients with this. It was still very much like, here's how to use the platforms. It's kind of be like, if you're trying to learn Facebook ads, or how to create YouTube videos, it'd be like, here's how to upload a video to YouTube. Like that was the type of education that was out there. And we're like, no, there's so much more, right? Here's how to make the video engaging. And here's a formula to use to to get people to keep watching and grow your subscribers, et cetera. So in that same way, uh, we saw a big opportunity to just share like what it was that we were doing with our clients with other people. And so it started small. I think the first time we did like, you know, a beta coaching program just to see if we could help people was like 30 people. And uh, and then from there, it started to become a larger part of our business. And I feel a lot of fulfillment when I'm able to teach and present. But we also understood that there's the dichotomy to be managed, that you have to be implementing actively when you're teaching something like digital marketing on platforms that are constantly evolving along with policies, along with tech evolution. And so for us for a long time, pretty much the entire lifetime of the business from there on, it was about 50-50. We were always serving clients and we were also always then being able to document that and say, hey, here are the most recent case studies. And so here's how our principles and tactics are evolving over time. Um, At this point, though, and actually last year, we made uh, a very intentional shift to uh, move away from the agency services and change them more into consulting and then be able to have the coaching programs as well. Um, So at this point we have both self-paced education and then coaching. uh, But what we find, and maybe you find this as well, is that when we're active in that process with people and we give them a specific timeline to get something done, they're just going to get the result faster instead of have fun going through, you know, this course where there's no one to keep you accountable. Um, And so now at this point we are hundred percent consulting and coaching at this time.
1: Mm. Uh, I, I don't know how comfortable you are disclosing things. So I'm gonna ask and if it's uncomfortable, you just say and we'll edit it out. Okay. Yeah. How big is the company today in terms of revenue?
0: So today we're going through a transition phase. We were five people full time uh up until the end of twenty twenty one. And then now we are continuing to evolve into bringing on a sales team for the first time, uh, which is exciting. And then also being able to grow out the team of coaches. So, um, from that point, it's kind of been like marketing and coaching has really been the only two sides of the business, um, that we've needed to have up until that point. And then now as we're scaling the coaching, it's like, okay, now, you know, how big can we really make this and how many more businesses can we reach?
1: Mm. There's a couple of things and uh, I I have to go here because I'm interested in the the human part of this. Yeah. Uh, You and then now your husband, were, were you guys classmates in school? How did you guys form this company?
0: No. So we were dating before we went into business together. And okay. the way that it happened was that uh, we met through a mutual friend years back in, uh, I think in 2015 or 2016 is when we we had met, like tail end of 2015. And uh, and then from there, we dated for about a year. But then I was going to go off to to uh, overseas and be a part of this college program that I was telling you. And so <laughs> I was kind of looking at it as like a temporary, you know, like, this is amazing. We aligned, but it's not the right time right now for me to be fully committed to a relationship. Like there's so much I want to do. Um, But little did we know as we like dove into it more and we're like, okay, well, I'm thinking now of leaving school and starting a business instead. And he was wanting to leave the job that he was at. He had just though gone through the process of uh, working at a startup for a couple of years and seeing them get acquired and be really close to the founding team uh, and everyone who was a part of that. So he had very relevant experience. And then I was like, okay, how do I just like take everything I've learned in these startup jobs? That I was working at that time, and, and apply both of these to our agency. So we work really well because we are complete opposites. <laughs> so it somehow worked out to be uh, a beautiful dichotomy, although challenging to manage. You know, at times it's uh, it's a relationship unlike anything I think I've ever observed in a lot of the couples that we meet or other people, even business partners. Um, And it allows us to also have just like a really special layer of trust and and respect towards each other as well that comes in the form of a lot of things. So that's how it all came to be. We we started dating, started the first business, and then started the second business, which I would say is the education side. Um, Mm -hmm. And then now we are going into another business venture. And the idea is for us to just continue to be building together really side by side from here.
1: Hmm. Okay. For context, um, people may not understand this, but you're going to USC business school. I I think you told me about a semester in. you're like, this is not right. I'm going to leave. So when people hear that, we're not talking about like two, three years in one semester, you knew you had to leave. This wasn't right for you. That sounds like a really scary decision to make. What gave you the confidence to just say, you know what, I'm, I'm in a great school and a great program, well-known, internationally known, and I'm going to say, no, it's not right for me. Where did you find that confidence to just be able to do that?
0: I love talking about this firstly, just to preface, because I find that so many people are afraid to even voice their opinion on this because it's still very taboo, although becoming not so quickly, which is exciting. Um, And so what I did was for a long time, well, a long time as in a couple months for me at that time, you know, but every day I would wrestle with the decision. I was like, oh, should I kind of stay safe and stay here or do I leave? And so um, I ended up doing a leave of absence, which would allow me to come back if I ever wanted to. I knew I wasn't going to, but I I did it more so for my parents. And so uh, what ended up happening is I wrote my parents a letter because they were the ones that I was, I think, most afraid to tell. It wasn't so much going to the school and being like, hey, I'm leaving. It was like telling my parents, hey, I'm making this big life decision that uh, I know you guys have been saving for for a long time, etc. And to add to that real quickly as well, I feel privileged that um, I, you know, I worked really, really hard for this, but I also feel privileged that I, I knew about scholarships and things initially, because I was able to get $200,000 of scholarship money to go to college. Um, and that was done by me writing hundreds of essays, like from 4am to midnight <laughs> for weeks on end, right? And I was able to to get a lot of amazing scholarships. Um, and so I didn't feel as bad because my parents had only put, I think, a couple thousand dollars into into my education at the time. So I didn't necessarily feel like I owed anybody anything. And I wrote a letter, which people can look up. If you just look up my name, Natasha Takahashi in college, you'll probably find it first thing that pops up because I get asked all the time on interviews. People are like, I read your letters. So like, you know, tell me more about that. But uh, I shared the letter that I wrote to my parents and in writing that it gave me a lot of closure and confidence and being like, okay, this is the right thing. Here's what I'm going to do after college. This is what I want to do with my life. Here's why I don't believe in the education system uh, as it is currently upholds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And and doing all of that gave me some closure and that's how I process information as well. So I think it was, it was really helpful for me to write it out and then say, okay, I can actually do this. I'm going to go give it to them. I'm not going to make that decision. Um, But it was definitely a a lengthy and painful process for me because I went through it mostly by myself. I didn't really talk to anybody about it.
1: Wow. Well, um, Asian parents everywhere that are listening to this episode, they're cringing here because not only did you get into USC, you got a $200,000 scholarship and you said goodbye to all of it. Because you pretty much at this point almost have a full ride, right? $200,000, that's a lot of money.
0: You know what, though? I don't think it was because USC, if I'm remembering correctly, Mm -hmm. it was like $76,000 a year at the time to go, which is Insane. Um and, yes, it is. and so yeah, it would have I think would have covered most of it. Can't do the math in my head right now, mm-hmm. but um, you know, pretty close to it. Nonetheless, so I was like, I know there's gonna be other expenses. I really don't wanna take right. out loans for this. You know, that was one of my biggest things was I wanted to come out of college if I were to do it debt free um instead of wow. having to hold on to that.
1: Well, onward and upward as it goes. So you're, you're running the company. You're also, I mean, you're just a really bold person because I generally recommend people do not date and marry the person you're going to work with because it's just complicated. Things are so intertwined. And then when, when things get really rough, you're like, oh my God, there is no exit out of this. It is like a business marriage to me. It's even harder to get out than, than a marriage because you have assets, you have clients, you have all kinds of stuff. And there you are, you like, you quit school and then you're dating a person. Then you marry the person and you are both running the business together. Is that right? Yes.
0: Yep. 50 50, pretty much okay. everything. And even up until the point we were married, because we started the business together, and then obviously most of our income was coming from the business, a lot of our things were tied together. You know, finances, we bought a car right. together, we have had four cats together now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> been pet parents as well. We lived in yeah. a lot of places. So for us, at the same time, we saw it as these different litmus tests of the relationship, right? We tested the boundaries of, um, moving in together, which we did right after I left college and we were starting the business so we could be spending all our time together, you know, working, um, Working, we moved away from everyone we knew, so we'd have no distractions. But that also came with a lot of uh, challenges, such as like because we were moving pretty often, I had read four hour work week, right? and was like glamorized with the idea of, oh, we should like travel and start a first business too, which I strongly don't recommend. But yeah. uh, you know, we're having to meet people, figure out, you know where are we gonna work out? What are we gonna eat? All these things're we in different countries. They don't always speak English. Properly, and so uh, it was. It was a lot of things at once that I am honestly baffled that we were able to get through all of that because we put a lot of strain on the relationship that we didn't need to. But it all just kind of happened more so from my naivety and and being excited about all these things at once. <laughs> so,
1: mm. yeah, as a couple who's been able to manage starting not only one but uh, two companies, I guess uh, with the training, and then now we'll, we'll talk about your next project in a little bit give give some people who are in this some some relationship advice if you will like how do you how do you keep it sane and and not be at each other's throats
0: yeah one of the things that i heard recently that i related to so much and i think is is the true definition is that you have to manage that dichotomy of separation and closeness and so When we are together all day in the same room, on the same meetings, doing all the same stuff together, which oftentimes you have to be when you're first starting a business up, because you guys have got to get aligned on the mission and the business model and all that good stuff. And so uh, that can be a lot. And so just creating certain separation, like one day a week, you know, I'll maybe spend half a day doing something else out with friends or at the beach or doing something else. We'll try to create separation in our day through things like working out, you know, I'm not going to work out together because I want to have that time for myself. Um, And just making sure that like those kinds of boundaries are set um, because we both, pretty much work all day. We love being able to to be on the grind, but also we are very health conscious. And so there are practices we'll do together like meditation or breathing, um, you know, and then I'll have my own things as well. So I think in regards to like relationship advice though, that's more so for like working. I would say like relationship advice wise, two things that, that I think are, are helpful are a, if you're in a new relationship, being able to test out small things like a weekend trip and see like how each person reacts. Right. Um, I think that, that, that that's always helpful is like what stressful situations can you intentionally put yourself in that are safe environments, but that allow you guys to, to get a little bit more uncomfortable and grow and allow yourselves to be there for each other. Um, and the other thing, too, I would say, well, I don't I'm not a huge proponent of doing a lot of things like personality tests and like things where you're like putting this identity on yourself because people tend to go to extremes where they're like, oh, well, I'm like, you know, people use their horoscope all the time. I'm an Aries. So this is why I do this. It's always like an explanation for for some kind of behavior is sometimes used as an excuse. But. Um, For me, what was actually really helpful was we, about a year and a half ago, took a uh, DISC assessment. So it's one of the popular personality tests. Uh, And that was super beneficial for me, not even like as much in the business sense as for the personal relationship. So I was like, oh, this gives me so much clarity around like, just gives me a little bit more definition and like, concrete detail as to like why we are the way we are. And that was really beneficial for me to better communicate and like understand how he works and vice versa. So just a few quick tactical things that might be helpful to look into.
1: Okay. I always just want to make sure I'm clear. Test with small things that might stress the relationship. So don't go all in at once. Was the second thing to, to have some kind of personality. Yes. And
0: and to name a few, I would say the disc assessment is the one that we've done that I really like. There's a gazillion, so choose whatever you want, but the disc is great. And then also doing, um, which is more surface level, but I think is helpful to to new couples is um, the love language quiz. So if you just look up like the five love languages quiz on Google, um, it should come up. It's like a free online test. There's a book that, you know, dives a lot deeper, which personally I didn't find that helpful, but maybe that's just my perspective. It was very surface level. I think that it's more so just useful to know, like as a person, do they appreciate thoughtful gifts or like, you know, things that you can share with them. Do they want you to, to show a lot of, um, you know, physical affection, et cetera. And so that was a big game changer for us as well. Cause I make sure every day I consciously, um, you know, make sure that I'm like coming up and giving him a kiss or giving him a hug in the middle of the day or something that makes him feel, you know, like loved and appreciated.
1: Mm -hmm. So, so what is your love language?
0: My love language at the time, I think was uh, acts of service. And I think Mm -hmm. that's because I was pretty stressed out when I took it. And I was like, Oh, it'd be so great if someone could be helping me with stuff, you know, all around, even though we're both very 50 50 with like things around the house and, and whatnot. Um, but I think now it's probably more so like thoughtful gifts. I know there's a specific word they give it, and I can't remember what it mm-hmm. is, but I think that gifts initially I was like, this is very superficial. And, like, well, you know, why would you care if someone gives you gifts or not? Um, but I think now, having given a lot of thoughtful gifts to clients and partners and, you know, students, employees, et cetera, I actually find gifts a really uh, thoughtful way to be able to connect with someone and, and have something to remember them by. So I would say that's probably it right now. <laughs>
1: Nice. So in case Kyle's listening to this and he can just reaffirm that, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I have one last question for you on this. And then I, I think I'd like to transition into, I think the meat of our conversation, but I noticed something, at least on social media, you seem to be the face and the voice of the brand. Like I don't see Kyle very much. I see him here and there. Is that intentional? Is there a strategic reason why that is?
0: Yeah, it was intentional initially, because what happened was that um, Kyle ended up taking on more of the like management and back end side of things for the business. And then I was really honing in on the chatbot skills side of things. Uh, And so because I was always the one like testing out new things with clients and on the calls with them, it just made more sense for me to be teaching the education, doing the content, that kind of thing. So over time, we've kind of fluctuated between like me being at the front and then us doing like, you know, live boot camps together, for example, where he'll talk about the agency side a little bit more. Um, But now as we move forward, like it was really helpful to test and experiment like now moving forward for us, it's really important to have that power couple positioning to where like we both equally add a lot of value to everything that we're a part of. But I feel like, Content is obviously the place where like people are going to perceive, you know, how it is. And so uh, first, we wanna, always want to make sure that that's clear. And so moving forward, that's a, actually a transition that we're making now to where like we're always seen in content together. And it's never like just Natasha doing her thing or Kyle doing his thing, um, at least when it comes to to our businesses. Um, but yeah, this time I am still more of the face of School of Bots just because it ended up kind of happening that way uh, over time. And, and we never really made like a, a big shift to kind of bring him back into.
1: Content. Mm. Okay. Now, I think I'd, I'd like to transition and talk to you more about this idea about how we can use messaging automation to generate followers, and more importantly, convert uh, or generate leads into clients. And and I have a whole community of creative people who are confused by this. Like, what what is this all about? So, I'm going to turn this over to you and just kind of be a student right now.
0: Sweet. To quickly start off, um, I'm curious actually to know if you want to share in like, you know, 30 seconds or something quick. Um, what have you tested so far with Instagram DM automation since we last spoke maybe like late last year?
1: Okay. Uh, a couple of things that we're doing right now is, um, I get a lot of messages and so I can't keep up with them so we're identifying certain patterns to save just me some time so this is just about building a better customer user experience so there's a resource I want to share with someone uh, because people ask me what was that book and what was that video and I just can't copy paste so much so now if I teach people if you type in certain words my chat we will talk to them and it's not to exchange anything more than just provide information. And if people want to register for an event that I'm doing or more information, I will then write a script and then that it will walk them through certain things. The thing that I'm most excited about, Natasha, is I've been experimenting with using chat automation, messaging automation to teach. That's my, my core as I'm a teacher. So I thought and I wrote out this script about how to teach people to price projects. And so the chat bot will ask you some questions you answer and it keeps walking you through the whole process. And then it even tells you a price based on what you're talking about. And then it's kind of very meta in what did you learn from this?
0: Incredible. That's exciting. And you guys have already shipped that and are starting to see some data come in for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, to that point, um, and something we can maybe chat a little bit about too then is like quizzes, I would say, are one of the easiest ways if you already have an established brand, but also have more than one product that you would sell. So this is not so much for the services side, but you know, if you've got like five products and people always ask, what should I buy? Or you wanna start right. a little bit um, more from a high level view of their like pain points, quizzes are such an incredible tool to be able to use uh, within bots. So that's awesome. Everyone should go and check that out and maybe take some inspiration for um, how that might apply to their business. But we can go ahead and dive into this. And thank you for sharing that. Um, This first slide that we have up, I just wanted to show a quick example for people to see like what we are talking about. As you guys can see it, looks like you are talking to just a regular person DMing the difference is though that you will be able to create these prompts for people to reply with so these buttons that show up in the left image towards the bottom that say things like yes please or no change it in this context we're asking do we have their correct email on file and so buttons are the best way that we have found right now to create automated interactions that can actually go all the way through because if you have a lot of open input then it's going to be tough at least where AI is right now, for someone to have a great user experience. So you do want to treat it a little bit more guided, um, but just be really clear with your instructions. You know, Let them know, hey, you've got to click that. And then um, over time, as you guys get better at building these or you have someone help you or you're using templates, um, just keeping in mind that you always want to account for things people might say um, that don't allow them to stay in that path. So that's a quick overview of that. Um, And what I think we could dive into from here is let's talk a little bit about what people could expect after implementing because the most important thing in diving into any new tech, like this can get complicated very quickly and overwhelming, especially for those of you who don't consider yourselves as tech savvy or like, you know, wanting to create all these automations and integrations. You just want to get more clients, provide a better experience, save yourself a little bit of time or a lot of time. And so, a few of the things that you can benefit from if you are a design agency, a design freelancer, creating content from an Instagram profile and you want to generate leads into your business for services. Um, then one of the easiest ways to use this is, of course, to qualify people or gauge some interest. And so that's one massive benefit that at the end of Any path that someone would interact with you in, that's the goal is for you to get their name, their email, phone number, anything that would be helpful to you. And then from there, what we find as well is that within about 90 days, um, and you don't have to be crazy good at this stuff. It's just about noticing what people are saying and creating automated responses for it. Just like Chris, you mentioned, you guys are creating just a better experience for people. We find that we can automate usually at least up to 80% of the DMs are going in and out by continuing to add on to. The things that the bot can reply to so don't expect a number so big initially um, and especially if you don't have a huge huge account where you're getting like thousands of dms every day um, then this should happen much slower over time but uh, this can save you a ton of time and also get you a lot more dms and interest because people are willing to reply to you in a dm more so than clicking on a link or going to the link in your bio if you're telling them, hey, you're going to get this, instead of just piquing their curiosity first, talking to them a little bit in the DMs, and then being able to offer what it is you have. Mm. Um, In regards to some of the things that I think are interesting, what we've been able to accomplish since this publicly came out last June is within 30 days is when all these results were, were created. So we were able to get a average conversion rate from a conversation into something like a free lead magnet, or maybe a lot of you have like a, a free assessment or a free audit of someone's business, or even, you know, a free proposal, however you want to position, uh, what it is that is going to help you get clients in the door. We've been able to get a 60% average rate there, which is really good compared to what most of our clients were getting on like a typical landing page, because the thing is with a conversation, you can always pivot it and say, okay, you're not interested. Well, how about this? Or why don't I ask you a few questions to see if you might be interested in how we can help you with something else. Um, whereas when you send somebody to an online form or an online landing page um, or anything like that, even just to straight booking a call, sometimes it's too quick and you're just going to lose a lot of people in that process instead of capturing all of them in a DM and then being able to adjust the conversation for them based on what they're looking for. So that makes sense so far. And any questions on that?
1: It does. And so I, I think the general concept here is anything that creates friction for the end user is going to potentially decrease whatever action you want them to take. And and so getting the go off platform or to add an initial step of clicking on your profile, figuring out the links and then going off, you're just you're 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 not giving the best possible user experience, right?
0: Exactly. And so to your point of keeping people in the platform as much as you can, this is now a way for you to replace a lot of the processes while still having those options available. You're not just mm-hmm. like doing a full 180, but allowing people to complete those processes that usually they would have done off platform, like giving you their email or even booking an appointment with you, signing up for a webinar, you know, these things that honestly are not usually great mobile experiences as well. And being right. able to do it, it in such a seamless way to where someone's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I just signed up for a class. This is awesome. I just had to type something in real quick. It took me 10 seconds. So you're not only reducing that friction, but also then reducing the amount of time both sides have to take to, um, to get that end result. So spot on on that.
2: Mm. Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
2: Welcome back to our conversation.
1: Now, as a person who grew up in the 80s, the parallel I draw here is a choose your own adventure. Like if you write a really good story and give the reader, the audience member some choices, it feels really good. So you want to keep it nice and engaging. You don't want to chat too much and just make them feel like they're in control. And it's a pretty fun thing. So then if you look at it like that, chat or messaging automation is only limited by your creativity, your writing skills, and what kind of audience you have.
0: Absolutely. And to that point, that's why I love to say and help people understand that everyone is an expert chatbot copywriter simply because we all know how to use social media messaging. And so if you know messaging etiquette, like not sending someone five exclamation points at the end of every Mm -hmm. sentence and like silly things, you know, like all of us kind of know what it takes to, to have a respectful conversation. You're doing it all day anyways. And so people find this process, uh, to not be as overwhelming or as challenging, uh, as writing a landing page or email or other forms of communication. Like you said, it's a lot more fun, not only for the end user, but also when you're going through the creation process.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, so to, to move on a little bit here, I want to talk more about like how you actually make this happen for yourselves because Depending on what type of account you are, what kind of business you have on the back end, um, you will approach this a little bit differently just based on your content strategy. But when it comes down to it, typically we're going to try to generate DMs from two types of content. And so what I would encourage all of you to do, and I'll get into a more tactical uh, approach here in just a little bit. The next piece of content that you have going out, think about which of these two buckets it falls into. I know there's a lot of subcategories under this, but kind of from a a broad standpoint, right? Are you promoting something that you want people to to go to like an upcoming webinar or you've got a sale going on right now? It's probably going to be more promotional where you're telling people, hey, you can get this thing. So it's more transactional direct response. Whereas we use this edutainment bucket quite often because most of the time we just want to pique people's curiosity about the topic that we're discussing in the post. And so because a lot of the good content on Instagram is going to either pique curiosity, teach you something you don't know, um, or help you with some kind of tip towards a problem that you're trying to solve. This is an easy way to be able to say something like, you know, which of these problems you struggle with. And maybe it's a real, that's like, you know, showing people what the common problems are that people struggle with in let's say that niche or that business model, then you might have simple things like when you're asking people to introduce themselves, because maybe you do a introduction post once a month to say, Hey, welcome new followers. Like I'd love to know more about you. Here's me and kind of reintroducing yourself to, to remind people what your mission is and what you do. Anytime people are commenting on these, that can be a trigger for the DMS. And in fact, if you have an upcoming piece of content for tomorrow or next week or anything where you think that this could apply, just to start a conversation with your followers um, about something casual or maybe about a direct offer that uh, you can leverage here, then any of these places can be an opt-in point for you to create an automation that takes like five seconds to set up um, inside of ManyChat, which Chris, I know you've talked quite a bit about ManyChat. So I imagine maybe there's a link somewhere in your YouTube or you guys can maybe put it in the notes for people. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that'll be the easiest tool for you guys to use. And essentially just hook up your Instagram account. And then now you'll be able to to trigger from any of these places. So to my point about the content, you can use any of these as inspiration for what we've seen work the best, just like a direct, hey, comment this or reply to my story with this word, Um, just making it really easy for people with simple instructions so that they know what they need to do in order to get a specific thing or just be able to engage with what you're
1: referring to. I have a question for you here. So the trigger is when the chat bot or a messaging bot is looking for something you've defined, Hey, pay attention. These are words then uh, then you can spring into action, right? So it's constantly looking for things. I do lives from time to time. How is it going to respond to that? So if you are chatting during the live, it knows that and it starts to message that person. Is that how that works?
0: So it's not as proactive as as what you shared there in that example. You have to mm-hmm. tell it, hey, I want you to attach um, to either a specific one or whenever you do go live, you'll want to use so, – so to kind of back up, when it comes right. to the triggers that we like to use, um, we want to make sure that it's something people aren't going to be saying very commonly to you. And so, right. yes, ManyChat is watching for certain things like uh, lives, posts that might go out, reels, et cetera. Um, and then from there – You want to have a word that could be a little bit better defined, like instead of saying yes, you might have like yes and then the number one or like something very specific to your business so that it doesn't go off. Because like you said, people can can be saying things all the time and it might go off and trigger a indirect response there.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Fantastic question on that and something that I think a lot of people uh, tend to forget. So I really do want to highlight that. And at the end of the day, it's really not a big deal. Like you guys will catch things that that might happen um, that you weren't aware of as you get in the process and people aren't going to hate you for it. You'll be able to, to, you know, adjust things as you go. Um, Mm -hmm. There are a few ways that you can approach this. And I like to emphasize using stories here because they are hands down the easiest way for you to get a lot of DMs at once. There is quite a few different factors in this, but a it's an expiring thing. So if you are going to be testing this for the first time, it's great to test it in a story because the automation is very simple. You just have to set up a, a keyword for people to type in, whereas sometimes there, there still are a few like bugs that can happen around lives and posts and things of that nature. So a story is an easy way to, to test uh, and see how it works. And also be able to see what language might resonate with your followers. And then the second one, I want to talk a little bit more about this. So this is a formula that we've been refining uh, since the beginning of 2021, because that was when we got access to Instagram DM automation in the beta phase. And so we were able to test out a lot of stuff before most people had access to the tool. And so what we found and Instagram shares that story sequences with three stories get the most engagement regardless of what they contain and so here in this example what we have found works well is this five part process so if you can take away one thing today from you know how you might go about implementing this through content it is that you want to have a few questions that you are leading people through to ultimately get them to say okay yes i do have this problem or oh i didn't know about that and i want to you know support your brand in some way maybe like a donation or you know that kind of thing so This is an example of what we call the prime and convert formula story sequence. And so the idea is that in the first story, we are connecting with our users in some way. So that's either asking them, hey, did you know about this? So some kind of fact. Uh, And in your case, depending on for your audience, you know, depending on the services that you have or the promise that you give people when when you're servicing them, I would like to probably start with something like that. So that you can emphasize on like the main thing that they're having a challenge with, or, you know, did you know you could do this two times faster or what have you? And then from there, after we connect with them, we want to get some clarity on the problem. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper. That's what the second is for. The third is going to be curiosity around like, you know, are you willing to try something new? What do you think about this? Are you ready to, to ditch that old method and do something new? And then finally is your call to action. The last piece that we don't see here is what happens in the DMs. And so uh, before we do that, any questions on that, Chris?
1: That seems pretty clear. You're kind of just gently walking them through a series of easy to answer questions before you prompt them to engage with you via uh, messaging, right?
0: Correct. Yes. And making it as easy as possible for them to be like, yes, yes, yes. So you'll notice there's never a no response in the poll. Right. I know polls have changed a little bit as well in terms of a uh, visual aesthetic since we grabbed these screenshots, but nonetheless, it's still the same thing and we haven't seen a change from that there. Mm-hmm. So then as you go into the DMs, the most important thing to keep in mind is confirming that somebody wants to engage with you there. The idea with the very first message is for you to confirm the person's interest. So let's say that you sell videography services for conferences. And so when somebody... Engages you in the DMs after they went through your story funnel. For example, whether they came from organic or, or paid, then they can dive in, and you can say, "Hey, it sounds like you're interested in, um, you know, getting video services for your event." And then from there, you have a button that says yes, and you also have a button that says no, or maybe not right now. And the reason we want to have those two options is because we always want to give the user an opportunity to proceed and then share their feedback with us, so we can keep them as a lead if we can, or at least guide them in the right direction, provide that good experience. And after they do this, then we're going to aim to get their information here, which we can talk about in a moment. But I want to emphasize that that step at the very beginning, instead of just being like auto responder, hey, thanks for your interest, go to this link to, to sign up for my services. Um, instead, actually making people engage with that first message usually results in In our case, we've seen 50% increases in people actually completing the lead form or whatever action you wanted them to do simply because you had them micro commit at the very beginning. And of course, there's a lot that you'll want to do over time to test copy and the visuals and what the buttons say and what you're asking for. But the easiest way to replicate what you're already doing on project services forms or anywhere else where you're getting new client information that are interested in working with you would be to replicate that inside of your bot here. But we typically won't do an entire form. If you have like 15 questions in a like, hey, work with me form, then usually what we want to do here is ask hey, what's your email? We're usually aiming for a 60% capture rate there. What's your name? Aiming for a 90% there. And then some kind of qualifying segmenting or commitment question. So what I mean by that is if your services uh, rely on, let's go back to the videographer example, for conferences, like maybe you only do video services for conferences that make a certain amount of revenue or are a certain amount of people because you know that they can afford the rate that you want to be paid. And so- In that case, then maybe you say something here like, and is your event this size or do you guys make X amount? Um, You can also have a commitment question here, which is sometimes the easiest to go with to, to get a quick response here of like, you know, how soon are you looking for these services? Or is this something that you'd be willing to invest X amount in anything that's going to be a little bit of a filter here and allow people to be like, okay, I'm serious, I'm gonna move forward or okay, I might be holding off a little bit, put me on your email list or something like that. But you know, I was just curious and you'll get a lot of people who go through your DMS uh, just to be like, oh wow, that was a cool experience. Like I haven't seen this before too. So this also will will weed out those people sometimes as well. Um, but the idea is for you to, to capture leads quickly. This is something you can build in 24 hours or less. And then from there, be able to follow up with these leads manually. But the idea of this is that you are replacing the next call to action you have in your content, like click the link in my story, go to the link in my bio, and instead just asking people to engage in a conversation with you and guaranteed you will at least get some valuable feedback. If not close, hopefully a few discovery calls for that upcoming week, um, because you are getting people who have been following you for a while or new people to engage with you and learn more about what you're about instead of having to to skip through to a more frictionful experience, if you will.
1: Mm, That was a very clear, high level overview let me just see if I understand this by summarizing some of the things that you said. Uh, you, you're one of the big messages I heard was don't go straight from like one thing straight to like sign up for this. It's there's too much friction. It's a big decision, and what you're asking for in the very beginning is may I have your consent to start this conversation with you? Are we talking about the same things? They say yes that's a very easy thing and so the first big ask is what's your email and you're saying that you should target about 60 percent conversion there because half the people are not going to give you their email because they're going to feel like you know i don't want to be spammed but once they give you the email the rest of the questions should convert at a very high rate because now you're just saying like what's your name and then you're doing a little qualification process what this sounds to me is like like very natural conversation that somebody's going to have in in determining and qualifying if a prospect is a good fit for you. And if you're a good fit for them, if the answer is no, we don't need to waste anybody's time at this point. Is that the general understanding? Did I get that right?
0: Exactly. And if I can add one thing, which we didn't Mm -hmm. talk about, and to be honest, is more of a layer that you'd want to consider after you get this done. But that being said, one of the things you can take advantage of is the power of follow-up inside of the messaging conversation, because this is not something that you can do with any of the other ways people currently capture leads on Instagram. You go to a website. Okay. Now you have to retarget them through ads, or maybe they gave you their email there, but here we can just send them a direct DM. And so, uh, what we can do at each of these steps, two things I want to highlight is that at each step, if someone doesn't reply, then you can just send a friendly nudge and be like, Hey, might you still be interested in this? Or have you already found a videographer for your event uh, to go back to that example. So just being able to leverage that tool would be something I recommend doing after this. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that for the people here, cause you mentioned, you know, about 40%, 50% of people, maybe don't want to give their information up front. Um, We will either let people skip that question, be like, okay, no worries, we have somebody available to chat with you. Maybe you direct conversations to yourself, right, or somebody on your team. And then from there, you can still get the rest of the questions and be able to engage with them. Or at this point, maybe you can lead them if you have some kind of like freebie that maybe walks through your services or tells people something that, you know, acts as a lead magnet for you, um, then you could also offer people that here for free as well. So I think Mm. there's always a way to like close the gap and provide some kind of value to people, even if they say no to the initial question that you're asking them, which in this case is, can I have your information?
1: The beautiful part of this is it can all be automated. You can add a delay. So, for example, if somebody doesn't give you the email and it stops there, you can just set a, a very specific delay, like four hours, 24 hours, whatever yes. it is, just to say, hey, uh, have you given up on this? Are you still interested in this or are we, we moved on? And then you can reactivate the chatbot again, right?
0: Exactly. Mm.
1: So I can see this as a huge productivity booster enhancer, but also kind of understanding this will we'll teach some of the, the creative people who are going to be listening and watching this. Uh, you're, you're going too fast to close, everybody. Slow down, have a real conversation with a real person. And this might actually get you a really nice qualified lead. That's the other problem that creative people suffer with is they're like, let's jump on a call. And then they realize, oh my God, we're in a two different universes in terms of budget and scope. And so it's a waste on on everyone's time.
0: Yep, exactly. And especially if you're, you know, a one man or one woman show and you're working on building your business or, you know, you just love doing what you do on your own. Um, then this is just such an amazing way for you to be constantly talking to people without actually taking your own time and and be able to put out your content out there and and engage people, get back to them. Because I know it can be so tough to to switch constantly between like doing the creative work that you love and then having to spend a ton of time answering messages, answering emails, all the admin stuff. And especially for those of you who are just starting out or don't have, you know, an assistant and these kinds of things for support. This is um, a very cheap 24 seven salesperson slash assistant for you <laughs> to, yeah. to support with and get you a little bit more business while also being able to, to create relationships for you, you know, on autopilot in a sense. Mm-hmm.
1: The other thing I want to highlight is we all have our on days and we have our off days. If the chatbot is written well, it's always on. Meaning it, it doesn't fumble for words. It doesn't kind of get yes. confused by things because the, of the way that you've written the scripts and the way you've trained your messaging um, bot there, right? Yeah, exactly
0: right. Mm. And so, you know, I like to say it's your new favorite employee in the sense it never gets sick. Like you said, it's always in a good mood, which... Without going too deep, is one of my um, biggest—I wouldn't say arguments, but just like things I'm excited for—as AI gets better, is that you won't have to deal with grumpy humans who maybe don't like what they do and could be fulfilling their life's purpose doing other things, but you know haven't haven't been pushed to do that or what have you. I mean, there's a lot of conversation to be had there, but I find that it's exciting that we are able to uh, continue to evolve that, and then also even like go a step further. Right, there are already really fun things that people. doing with written and voice chatbots where you can, you know, design or choose the character you're engaging with, right. And be able to kind of engage in that story and you really build a a relationship, but, um, it's all kind of to like how you want to do it, choose your own adventures. So it's an exciting Mm -hmm. new world for sure. Uh, when it comes to all of that.
1: Mm, Wonderful.
0: So the last thing then that I can walk us through here that I think is important to understand from the business side is how an Instagram DM chatbot actually interacts with the rest of your business system. And so as a creative, as a content first person, I'm sure that all of you can appreciate that you want to be able to send people to your bot from any content that you can to start those conversations, because I find that's one of the hardest things people have is they're like, my reel got a million views, but I got like no customers from it. <laughs> so this is uh, an easy way to start that conversation. And then the other side of it as well is, um, well, how do we send these people to other parts of the system too? Because you never want to rely on just one platform as a business. Sure, you might have a big following on Instagram, or that may be where you get most of your customers. But if Instagram were to go down tomorrow, well, do you have their emails? Are they following you on other platforms, et cetera. So in terms of advertising, you can actually send paid traffic into your DMs now instead of just to a website page. So this is a creative way for you to use all the strategies and tactics we've talked about so far, whatever you're already doing, in fact, if you're running ads or plan to, But instead of the call to action being on your website, you're going to lead people into a conversation and build essentially that funnel into the messages. And so that is the first easiest way to start implementing this. And we always see better results with this than we do with a typical landing page. Because like I said, you don't lose anybody that opted into your ad because you will have their information one way or another and be able to serve them or at least get their feedback if they think they're not a fit for whatever reason. Still valuable data. Then when it comes to content outside of Instagram here with YouTube, for example, one of the things we can do with Instagram DM is that instead of saying, Hey, go and check out our new YouTube video, which a lot of brands want to do because they just have longer form content they want to point you to, or go subscribe to me over there. um, We can have deep links inside of the conversation, send them over there. And so instead of just sending them to the link, we've now also caught them inside of the DMs. And in fact, we can also deliver things from maybe the YouTube video if you mention worksheet or a giveaway entry or something in your YouTube video uh, that people would have to engage with. Secondly, here we have, or thirdly, we have uh, the Instagram content, which we've already talked about. Then from outside of that, now we get into the email marketing side of things. So we've had a lot of fun creating email sequences that happen in parallel with the Instagram DM messages so that you can think of Instagram DM sequences just like you would with email, except that it can kind of play off of what you're doing with the emails. You can also later on get a little fancy with it. If someone answered you in the DMs, maybe you don't send them an email about that same thing or if they didn't then you could also follow up there too Because so you'd be like hey I didn't hear back from you in the DM so maybe email's a better place for you etc etc um, so content emails funnel specific stuff sales all that good stuff um, you know now that you have their info can go into there Text marketing tools uh, are another great tool to take advantage of later down the line if you want to start with this first. And you can also do that inside of ManyChat as well and actually just duplicate the experiences if you even want from Instagram to text. Uh, But we use text a little bit differently. It's more so for announcements and that kind of thing, not too much of the back and forth. But Once we get someone's phone number inside of the DM bot and now they can sign up for a weekly text we're going to send out or anytime we have announcements, even simple things like, hey, we're about to go live on Instagram um, and then be able to like constantly have people engaging with all of your communication channels. That's really the goal is for you to be uh, omni-channel and omnipresent for them. And then Mm -hmm. finally, we have Messenger and WhatsApp. And I want to highlight this the most because Facebook, if you weren't aware, is working on a concept that they call interoperability. It's been in the works since 2019. So they're a couple years in and it's been slowly happening. But they are creating a way for Instagram users, for example, to be able to talk to Messenger users and WhatsApp users other platforms in their ecosystem without having to have accounts on those platforms. And that for businesses then means that if you've got an Instagram business account that you've created a bunch of different chat experiences for, theoretically in the future, you should be able to just have that same experience happen on all three of these platforms. And these platforms are some of the largest messaging platforms in the world, and uh, as well as social, of course. And so there's a lot of benefit here to start to build on all of these, knowing that they will all be merging together in that way. They'll still be separate, but you will be able to talk to people more seamlessly across them. Um, so that's just a quick overview of how this might play into the rest of your marketing system and things you want to be thinking about as you're building out your DM experiences so that you can be omnipresent, omnichannel for your people.
1: Mm, that was really cool. There's a lot of things to dive into. And here's a quick one for people who want to use chat just to increase views or followers for their account you don't always need to capture someone's email or get them to download some free document that you have you could just tie your content together with a series of questions for example you can say um what what topic are you interested give them a few options and then they pick something and you can just then link it to your live stream or your short or something like that am i understanding that correctly natasha
0: Exactly. And to go even further than that, too, to get some engagement with your followers at a level that really hasn't been possible before, only to a certain extent, is like actually being able to get their feedback on your content, too. And so, yeah. for example, let's say they go to your live stream, and then maybe a couple hours later, you send them a follow-up, an Instagram DM, and you say, hey, did you attend the live stream? Like, what did you like? What would you have liked to see more of? Like, what type of content should I shoot next choose from these three and then you can send all that information to like a Google sheet and you and your content team can say okay cool so this is what people want to see next and now again you're being able to connect with your community at scale without you having to have had those thousands or hundreds of uh, DM conversations it's just Mm. another
1: little idea for people and here's the other thing as far as I know the algorithm doesn't like people who send their audience off platform with external links But as far as I know, in the DMs, they don't care. They're not monitoring those things the way they would say a post or story, correct?
0: Yes, we have not seen anything negative happen or, you know, decreased views or engagement, anything like that, Um, which, you know, to your point is, is a big deal because then people are able to A, get relevant content, but also be able to um, get a lot of links being sent to them inside of the DMs that are relevant without you, you know, having any negative consequences from that. So mm. absolutely spot on.
1: Okay. Before we run out of time, there's um, something I want to talk to you about in terms of the high level thing. Cause I heard you say this before in terms of like messaging automation is like a paradigm shift for marketing. So can we talk about the high level like why tell us the benefits what why should someone invest time and energy into learning this and implementing it in their marketing
0: Yeah. As we can see with, you know, whether you like Facebook or not, they are one of the most powerful companies in the world because of the amount of data that they have. And so be it good or bad, positive or negative, the fact is that they make their decisions based on all that data that they have. And Mark Zuckerberg at F8 every year shares uh, really valuable insights that you can take from and say, okay, here's what's happening next, you know, over the next few years in media and in content and in social and how people connect. And so uh, many times now, Zuckerberg has talked about how if he was starting Facebook over today, he would start with messaging and he recognizes that people want to have these private environments to have conversations with people. COVID accelerated that a lot as well. People are, are really desperate for that, like one-on-one interaction and connection. And so, um, when it comes to messaging, it's, it's only natural that, you know, for, for, As long as humans have been around, we've always interacted in business through conversation. You walk into a store, you learn a little bit more. And so that was automated through the form of websites and automated emails and funnels and social media to an extent. But most of the time, people are still having a conversation with your business, even if they're reading stuff on your website. They're thinking in their head, okay, well, now I want to know this. So let me scroll through this and find it. Now I want to know this. And we found that not only can connection and engagement be accelerated and deepened at an incredible level with automation, but also the sale, which does your customer, potential customer, a big service by saying, hey, do you want to make your decision much faster than you might? Um, You know, here you go and here, let's talk about it real quick. And so while it's still very early and you'll probably go through a lot of crappy uh, messaging experiences, like I have to to test things out and see how they are, you can see how many more people, especially through COVID realize, um, the power and the benefit of having this automation. So regardless of how big you are as a business, it's important to be there for your customers. Like people want to be able to talk to someone or something before they buy. And so why not be there for them 24/7 before they move on to a competitor if you don't reply to them for three days? Um, And also why put that stress on yourself, right? Of having to always be online, replying to people when you can be operating in your zone of genius, operating and creating better high quality products and delivery for people, spending your time with the most urgent, but also the, the highest quality or or most important things that you can be doing, um, instead of all the stuff that needs to happen, but that you don't need to be involved with anymore. So just a few thoughts, um, from that to, to get people incentivized, at least to like test it out. Right. Right. Why not at least see how it goes?
1: (laughs) It's actually really fun to do. And once you get into it, I, I think like how, I want to use it is to teach. And so I start thinking about if I were, if I had a real student in front of me, what would I say to them? What would they say back to me? And how would I guide them through this process so they can walk away feeling more empowered or inspired or having a new resource that they can use on their very next client interaction. And so I'm very excited about this because as an instructor, I've said the same thing a thousand times already. Right. That doesn't improve my life. I realize I have to do it. But if there were a better way, I should at least investigate this and i'm i'm very excited about it and i have to say whether you use mini chat or one of the competitors in terms of chat chat bots um they make it really simple they walk you through the process so you don't it's like all flowchart. You, you drag and drop like a pick whip no code no code super smart and it's getting smarter because every time i log in to create a new automation there's more instructions in there it's just It's teaching you how to do it the right way, which I applaud Mike and his whole team for doing that.
0: Yeah, agreed with you completely. And it'll be really fascinating to see where this goes in regards to AI development, and like just how we have platforms like Jarvis, who I know just changed their name, but they're a good example of like a good copywriting uh, AI platform, right, where you can get Facebook ads written in there, Instagram captions, like that. Future is is going to come soon for messaging as well, and you'll be able to just benefit from all this stuff over time if you start now and just experiment a little bit and understand how people engage with you in those conversations and have that data built up so that then as these tools come out where you can reach more people, impact more lives, uh, like you said, teach a lot more people as well. It'd be impossible for you to teach all 8 billion people on the planet, uh, but if they could all go through a messaging conversation with ChrisBot, well, then, you know, their lives are changed for the better. And it allows you to extend yourself past your physical being. And so um, I love that you use that example, because it really is, it allows you to turn a sales conversation or a lead generation conversation into an educational experience for people that is tough to do and might be a little bit tiresome and burdensome for actual humans to have to do in every single interaction
1: hmm. Now, this may be a lot for people to process. So if you're listening to this, we'll make sure to include relevant links in the show notes. You can check them out below and just just look at them and and hopefully you get started. Now, before people go out there and get crazy and start breaking things on the Internet, what are a couple of mistakes or words of wisdom you can share with them for them to avoid so they don't create a bad user experience for their potential clients?
0: Yeah. So I'll share a couple here quickly. Mm-hmm. The first one, uh, which we briefly touched on, but just to harp on it again uh, so people can write it down and remember is to never reply with just a dismissive okay cool you can go and get that here click this link um we see that a lot as well as like blasts that go out you know where regardless of the platform but instagram in specific let's say that you say hey are you interested in my services on my story like dm me the word service or something and then someone comes in and you're like cool go fill out this link here well that didn't accomplish literally anything different than you sharing a link otherwise and it feels very dismissive and almost disrespectful to to the consumer and it's not going to convert that well so right. Um, That would be one thing. The second thing as well is like when you're following up with people and sending out what I would say like, like the bot is starting the conversation at that point, the user has not invited you to reply, but it's like a, hey, whether it's a friendly nudge or it's a, hey, I'm going live soon, like come and check this out. Um, always making sure that that first message has a way to engage with it or tell people hey stop messaging me I'm not interested anymore right because you always want to respect people's inboxes it is the most sensitive channel and uh, the most precious real estate <laughs> that you can be in online mm-hmm. and so really respect that because creating that sustainable relationship with your users is going to elongate the amount of time that that they actually have that relationship with you instead of them being being like, oh my gosh, Natasha's getting so annoying in the DMs. Like, I got this lead magnet. It was great. But like, man, I'm just going to block them because they're being right. too much. And we saw that happen a lot with Messenger. I think people learned a little bit with Instagram and there's also stricter policies around when and how you can message people. So they learned yeah. as well. Uh, but I think it's still a, a super important thing um, to keep in mind there. So I think mm-hmm. those two tips will help people get started. And then the rest of the tips honestly should be learned through experience uh, because then from there you guys can see what data you're getting and see, okay, only 9% of people are clicking on this. Uh, Let's test out this new copy and whatnot. From there, it's more optimization.
1: Yeah. So there's this thing that has been an idea that you don't own your customer data on social platforms. The platforms own the data. And that's why there's been a big emphasis on you capturing emails and building the relationship. What's really neat about chat automation, messaging automation, is that you can segment who's interacted with what. What, what level of interaction they've had. And you can message very specific groups of people and have this very intimate conversation with them. And you're saving yourself an additional step. And this is done all through the platform. So it's really, really cool. I haven't done it yet, but I can see that they're there because the the software platform tells me you have X number of new people engaging with your thing. And it's a, it's a pretty neat thing to be able to see.
0: Yes, exactly. It is really cool for... What we find, too, is that with any size business, you know, a I've had a CEO of a one hundred million dollar a year client business, as well as a smaller, let's say, three hundred thousand dollar a year business both of those leaders looking at the conversations and being like, wow, I feel like we are there for our customers. And this is just giving me a good idea of whether there's an overall positive sentiment or negative sentiment. And sometimes initially it is negative because they were doing, you know, not creating the best experience and we come in and help them turn it around, right? Or, or, you know, they see a lot of positive stuff and they're like, oh, this is amazing. This is working. So it's great to to be able to see that again, without having to be responsible for replying to all of that as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Natasha, thank you very much for sharing this information with us. I feel like I benefited from us having this conversation later than we originally scheduled because I got more time to use a platform and test it. So I feel smarter. You've given me some things to think about. I probably have to go back and make sure I'm not committing some of the sins that you're talking about. I feel like I I am guilty of one or two of those (laughs) things. I'm going to go and change that right after we finish. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where should they go?
0: Yeah, well, first off, thank you so much for having me. And as always, such a pleasure to to speak with you. I love what you do and your energy and and your audience is incredible. So um, I hope they benefit from what we shared. And if people want to connect, Instagram and Twitter are the easiest places to find me. So feel free to shoot me a DM if you have any questions and I can point you towards a resource um, or, you know, at least answer a quick question for you. So my Instagram is Natasha. Natasha official underscore. And uh, my Twitter is Natasha Willis GG. So okay. feel free to hit me up there.
1: So the last question is, if they chat with you, will it be talking to the real you or the chatbot version of
0: you? <laughs> <laughs> On Instagram, so one thing that I didn't mention in the um, you know sins or what not to do is mm-hmm. that if you're running a personal brand account where like you are the face of the brand or you're managing this for someone you work for, um, we don't always have automation linked to every single possible thing that someone might type in because we may have influencers or partners or people you know of, of important stature To reach out and we don't want them to have a negative experience. It's impossible to capture it all right now. So, with me, I have specific triggers on for, you know, if you're going to download this resource for me, you're going to watch this YouTube video, Uh, but people won't always get automation with me. And then Twitter is not quite there yet, but hopefully soon for Twitter and LinkedIn.
1: Mm, Okay. Maybe that's a hint and more to come. Wow. (laughs) Indeed. I'm very excited about it. Thank you very much, Natasha.
0: Thank you. I am Natasha Takahashi, and you're listening to The Future.
2: Thanks for joining us this time. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app and get a new insightful episode from us every week. The Future Podcast is hosted by Christo and produced by me, Greg Gunn. Thank you to Anthony Barrow for editing and mixing this episode. And thank you to Adam Sanborn for our intro music. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts. It'll help us grow the show and make future episodes that much better. Have a question for Chris or me? Head over to thefuture.com slash chris and ask away. We read every submission and we just might answer yours in a later episode. If you'd like to support the show and invest in yourself while you're at it, visit thefuture.com. You'll find video courses, digital products, and a bunch of helpful resources about design and creative business. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.